Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson, and I don't know about you, but as a single unmarried person living alone during a global pandemic, I have been extra grateful for my friends, whether they're here in Chicago or in North Carolina or Utah or Oregon or wherever. I've always had a lot of far-flung friends, which means I'm already used to, you know, sending postcards and check-ins via text and scheduling phone calls. Two people who are very good at long-distance friendship are Amina Tussauds and Anne Friedman. They have been buds for a solid decade, and lots of us have been able to kind of listen in on their friendship because of their amazing podcast, Call Your Girlfriend. Anne and Aminatu also wrote a really lovely book recently. It's called Big Friendship, How We Keep Each Other Close, and it tells the origin story of their own friendship. But it's also about how all those important friendships in your life require just as much effort as any of the other relationships that you have. And how maintaining what they call big friendships isn't always easy, but it's almost always worth it. Aminatu and Anne are with me now. Hey. Hello. Hi. So... I am really interested in the fact that this book opens with the scene where the two of you are like trying to have a lovely vacation spa weekend, but you are obviously not connecting the way your friendship normally does. Uh, The struggles that you two have had as friends is a huge part of this story. And I wondered, like, would you ever have considered writing a book about friendship and not including that stuff? No, never, (laughs) truly, (laughs) never, like truly, truly, truly never. I think that, you know, part of why we really wanted to to tell um, this story specifically in the way that we did, like open in a place of pain is because, you know, I think that culturally we're at a place where we're definitely celebrating friendship. Like there's great TV shows about it. Mm -hmm. There are, you know, like iconic friend duos everywhere that get press. It's, it's exciting. But I think that, um, you know, the our contribution to this conversation is saying that, oh, yes, like friendship is amazing. It's beautiful. It is life enriching. It, you know, like will make your whole life. But it's also work yeah. and it's also hard. You know, I think also um, it's very healthy to poke holes into the mythology of your own uh, friendship, especially for me and Anne, because we are people who have this very public relationship and so I think I think that starting in the place of honesty 
um, you know, it, that's that was the only way for us to tell the story is to say like, yes, like we are good friends. And um, sure, like maybe you maybe you want to emulate our friendship, but let us tell you um, it that shit is hard work. <laughs> so <laughs> this is what you're getting into. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, here here we yeah. are. You know, like friendship is good, but friendship is work. So so you two are both super transparent about the fact that, you know, at the at the point where you decided you two needed to go to therapy together, you were not only friends, right? You were coworkers. You shared a bank account. You shared an LLC. You shared a trademark. Do you think you ever would have gone to such lengths to save your friendship if it hadn't been so complicated? You know, I think about that all of the time. Do you? All the time. All, all the time. And I know that I, like, annoy Anne with how much I think about it. <laughs> but, a, but a conclusion, a conclusion I think that we have both come to is that actually, um, being coworkers and having these strong anchors in the ground uh, were very good reasons for trying to save the friendship. Mm-hmm. One, the reason at all that we even consider going to therapy is that we had read about like startup co-founders going to therapy together. Oh, yeah. And you were like, OK, you're like, great. Like capitalism loves it when people get coaching and mediation. <laughs> so like, right. you know, that's one model. But also I think that, you know, the 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 thing with friendship is that you can have this really deeply meaningful relationship with someone but nothing is like tethering you to each other and you can and you could just walk away like someone can walk away from you knowing your like deepest secrets and so many things about your life and like never be accountable to you again in a way that unlike in a you know like in a breakup or a divorce you you kind of have to sit down to to parse it all out even if it's not pleasant right um there is just no script for like how do you break up with a friend so I think that having those things to consider um, for us ended up being like a net benefit. It was like, oh, yeah, like the paperwork that this involves is very annoying. But it also means that, um, you know, neither of us is just going to up and like disappear the next day because we actually have things that we share. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, I'm so glad that the financial investment inspired you to like continue with the emotional investment, too, you know? I mean, not that it's the only thing that inspired you, but yeah, I mean, it's also a. it was the act of going to therapy in and of itself was a way of assuring each other that we were at the very least interested in figuring out what went wrong, um, yeah. which which felt really good. Like that is not something that people always get in friendship. It's something that is, you know, assumed like I mean, Auntie was saying assumed in other kinds of relationships. And one reason why it can be so hard to address the difficulties that inevitably crop up in friendship is that we often don't have this assurance that the friend wants to work on it with us. So another thing this book does really beautifully is it integrates a lot of studies that have been done about friendship, but it also highlights the fact that actually there haven't been that many studies about friendship as a relationship, especially compared to, you know, like romantic relationships or family relationships. Why do you think scholarship doesn't take friendship as seriously as some of those other relationships in our lives. Oh man, so many reasons, but I think that at the root it is because, you know, as a society, we do not take friendship very seriously. We pay a lot of lip service to it and, you know, or we celebrate it and it's just like very cute and fun, you know, like it's always additive to your life. It's like, great. Like there are all these other things that are markers of like how you're an adult in the world, Mm -hmm. but friendship is just, that is just like cake at the end of the day. And, um, and I think that it is, it really is because like we, we have this very stubborn, refusal to accept that um 
for for some people and for a lot of people, friendship is at the center of um, what makes them like tick as a human being. And that is a relationship that is just as valid as other societal bonds that we have decided is are very, very important. Yeah, it was interesting thinking about this book in the context of Rebecca Tracer's All the Single Ladies, because she talks a lot about how, you know, I mean, I don't know. The thing I got out of that book is the idea that it's like, sure, you know, I'm 35. I'm like pretty single. I could feel bad about the fact that I'm not married or I could celebrate the fact that I'm like actually allowed to have my own bank account and exist as like a strong, independent woman in the world who has a bunch of friendships that are you know, probably just as enriching as a romantic relationship would be. Right. And you're being challenged to grow and evolve as a human by those friendships. I think that that is another, you know, thing, another stereotype, which is if you are not in a long term romantic relationship, it somehow means you don't know um, how to invest in someone for the long term or, or you don't know how to like, you know, sacrifice yourself to be in a relationship. And like that is just so wrong you know I mean we we do this in our (laughs) friendships all the time and I think you know part of what we're trying to do in this book is point that out and and really normalize the conversation about that one thing y'all talk about a lot in this book is vulnerability and and I think as a result transparency too right and one thing that I thought was really impressive was that as you're you're chronicling your friendship you're also chronicling your career trajectories to a certain extent too right especially in your mid-20s and your early 30s And you're both super transparent about how much each of you made, especially in your early jobs and what it was like to, you know, negotiate for the first time what your salary is going to be. Why was that so important to you to include? Well, we are both women for whom work is really important. You know, I mean, I, I, I think that that is part of it. It's hard to tell the story of us together or individually without having a thread about work. And not only because we work together. Um, so that was part of it. Um, it was also, you know, not just a convenient example, but a real life way that we have benefited from the support and transparency of each other. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, extending that transparency to the reader as well, um, just felt natural, I guess. And it's also funny because like we have some distance from from those jobs now, right? And and we've learned a lot. And so it was actually pretty funny to look back at um, you know, some of the things we thought were a big deal or like things that felt risky to us and not just in the money context and say, oh wow, that is that does not feel risky anymore because you know why? We've talked about it a lot, or because the public conversation is reflective of that now. And um so the book in citing actual dollar amounts and talking about the specifics of you know, how we built the lives we have now is is trying to contribute to that open conversation. So one concept that you talk about in the book, which I love a lot in the context of friendship, is the idea of stretching, which means that, you know, sometimes in certain circumstances, somebody might have to like stretch a little outside of their comfort zone in order to really be a good friend for someone. And, you know, I think there's a lot of criticism justifiably around the idea of the fact that like whether friendships need to be transactional. But I do think and you talk about a lot the idea that like ideally in a big friendship, people are they feel like they're both putting the same effort of stretching into it. We love a metaphor like truly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we're trying to get at the the very thing you're talking about, which is that um, friendship does not always feel 50 50 equal in every moment. And so um, 
How do you describe the fact that sometimes both people are challenged and are really working to stay in the friendship? And sometimes only one of you is because of, you know, circumstances that have shifted because, you know, the other person has less time or has moved away or is going through something really difficult in their own life and can't show up for their friend in the same way. Um, There is this um, sense that we want it all to feel two-sided and equal in every moment. And I think really what we came to when we looked at our friendship is that, you know, it has required more of one of us and and then the other in different moments. You know, it's not always synced up. And, and really the goal is that over the long term, it feels like it probably evens out. But that also in the short term, when you are like feeling that stretch feeling of, oh, this friendship is requiring a lot of me right now, that you can talk about it and acknowledge it. And sometimes that is all it takes, you know, Um, not to make the whole exercise class metaphor, but like that's why there's an instructor at the front of the room being like, it's we know it's hard right now, you know. Um, And I think that that is part of the power of naming it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, to your point of feeling like you are stretching and it's not being well received, I think that the thing that was so apparent to me when we were writing this book, even with Anne, someone who I know intimately so well, someone who I've gone to therapy with now at this point, (laughs) just realizing that, oh, I like there are ways that she is stretching that I'm just not aware of. And I would never know it unless she told me that it was a stretch for her. You know, so I think that also having that benefit of the doubt for each other of like okay like you just like you just you can't be mad about things that you haven't said out loud is truly my philosophy or feel you know like you you have to be able to communicate them because I like I was so struck by that and also struck by like the fact that yeah like there are also so many ways in in which I feel stretched in my friendships and what would that look like if I just told the friend like Mm -hmm. hey I'm still here I'm not going anywhere but actually like this pattern is hard for me. Like, how do we fix that together? And realizing that, you know, that it doesn't all have to happen in my head. Um, that's something that has been like very, um, like you can tell what kind of emotional idiot I am. I was like, Oh, this is profound to me. Like I, I did not know this. The things, the things in my head, I can tell them to my friends and then maybe we will come to a solution together. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with shine theory, but just in case someone hasn't come across it, this is a term that you two came up with quite a while ago. And it's kind of around the idea of like debunking the myth that there are so many seats at the table, especially for like women and marginalized groups. Right. So the idea is instead of looking at someone who's sort of on a similar career path and around the same stage as you as competition, you could actually become collaborators and figure out how to help each other. And then everybody wins. So true. So true. So true. I think that, you know, we've all been socialized to believe that women are competitive with each other and that we are all fighting for like this one tiny sliver of the pie. And that is frankly true, not just of women, but anyone who um, does not see themselves like reflected in in the halls of power. And and we both know that that is it's just simply not true you know um it, like men are competitive and catty or whatever but no you know no one is like calling attention to that crisis very conveniently thank you again capitalism <laughs> <laughs> but you know i think that the reason that shine theory has 
has like persisted so much and that people have really glommed onto it is I think that they are also recognizing that that is true and possible in their lives. You know, like we, we're not inventing anything new here. I think that we are just trying to give a name to something that we have both benefited from and something that we know other people are benefiting from as well. And so, um, you know, this idea that if you pool your resources with um, other people who are kind of on your level or kind of at your, you know, like your um, your place of understanding that you can go further together. You know, it, it seems so simple. It seems so simple. But because of these prevailing like patriarchal and capitalist narratives, it feels revolutionary mm-hmm. and it sh- and it really should not be. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, it doesn't seem that different from like a, the whole idea of like a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, right? Because a lot of the the frameworks that you talk about it in, I, I think it was Anne, you were like frustrated to see that someone had gotten a cover story with somebody and, and you know, like, sure, it's so easy to like look at someone else's success and be resentful and jealous and like wonder why you can't do that. But you could also reach out to that person and be like, hey, how'd you get that? That's cool. And maybe even form some kind of friendship or mentorship or whatever it is to figure out how you can get there eventually if you want that. It's true, because especially when you're talking about someone who is a peer in the sense that like maybe they're at the same phase of their career as you are. It's not like their inbox is heaving with requests for like, (laughs) how did you do that? You know, I mean, it's actually also a lot easier to connect with people who are, you know, more or less on your level and um, and try to forge those relationships than it is to you know, email someone who is like a CEO or who is like 40 years deeper down their professional path than you are. You should really be proud of this. It's a really special book and I'm so glad to have been able to talk to you about it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Anne Friedman and Aminatu So are amazing. The book is called Big Friendship, and it's just a really nice thing to read, especially right now. All right, we're going to hear from some of you in just a minute. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tanwen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Okay, here is the part of the show where we hear from you. We haven't done this in a while, which means I am very excited to listen. We asked y'all what you would do if you had one magical non-pandemic day with your bestie. Here's what you said. Hey, Nerdette, it's Mary from Chicago. Hey, this is Liz from Roseville, Minnesota. This is Sarah in Atlanta. This is Danielle from Washington State. Hey, Nerdette, it's Allie from Chicago. If I were so lucky to spend time with my bestie right now. If I could hang out with my bestie right now. There would definitely be wine involved. Well, her name is Tagina <laughs> and she is the coolest person I know. We get Manny petties and then go to a bar, talk for hours, and drink Moscow mules. 
not only has all this social distancing stuff been hard, but we both have children, which makes it even harder. So I imagine if we could be alone and hanging out, oh man. (laughs) It's actually my birthday on Sunday. And I've got a several years long tradition now of spending that day with my best friend, Kim, who lives in Mississippi. And this year, we're not going to get to do that. And I am genuinely devastated. We would probably spend the bulk of the time convincing each other how good the other person really looks. Hey, Nerdette. <laughs> so if I were hanging out with one of my best friends right now and um, like our entire little group here in Brooklyn, she's probably listening to this podcast right now. Hey, Elizabeth, what's up? Um, hope Ohio's good. And uh, we would be sitting in a bar drinking either beer or spritzes and we would be knitting because that's the kind of nerd we all are. <laughs> you know what i would probably do i would just sit on her couch and watch hamilton or movies or books or nothing but just sit with her in quiet and be so happy if i could be hanging out with my bestie right now there would be a lot of hugs and i don't hug but i really would give her a hug before we left Sitting by a pool and talking and just being together. I miss you, friend. We would comfort each other that all of this really will end someday. Thanks. Thank you. She is my person. Don't tell my husband. Oh my God, y'all, that was amazing. I can relate to so many of those things. I miss like poolside hangs so hard. Also knitting in bars and just those friends where you can just like sit around on the couch with and you don't even have to say anything. And it's just magical. I'm not crying. You're crying. Whew. Man, I haven't cried in the closet in a while. Oh my gosh. Thank you all so much. We love hearing from you. Okay, so here is another question we have for an upcoming episode. I want to know what the most epic road trip you've ever been on was. And I want to know about the wildest thing that happened to you while you were on it. And I mean, I'm also, of course, curious about what the best road trip snacks are. If you say egg salad or tuna fish sandwiches, we're not going on a road trip together. I'm just going to say that right now. So all you got to do is record yourself on your phone and then email the file to nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. Because, you know, this is just so much better when we're all in it together, even if it's from a distance. All right, that's it for today. The show was produced by me and Justin Bull. Our executive producer is Brendan Banizak, and we will see you on Tuesday. Whoo! Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tan Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Macs. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.